Well, here we are in the midst of the Christmas season, and uh, with us being there, we're looking now at some of our favorite passages in the Bible, our favorite stories, the, the Christmas stories, and you know that as we're going to be spending time there, that we're going to take a couple of weeks and we're kind of honing in, we're focusing on the life of Mary, this, this very first one to interact with Christmas. This very first one to, to receive and to understand the gift. And as we do that, we're looking for clues. We're looking for clues at how maybe we respond to Christmas. How we can get the most out of this gift that God has for us. And boy, last week we certainly saw that, that though Mary was a young teenage girl, probably 13, 14 years old, she was a giant in the faith. And she absolutely lays a path uh, for us to follow. She gives us a model in pursuing our Savior, Jesus Christ. And last week we saw that whatever we're going to do with Christmas, it begins with a, a proper understanding of who He is as our Master and who we are as His slaves. Man, we're, we're, we're owned. We're His. We, we belong to Him. And life is not about our agenda, but life is about His agenda. Boy, Mary shows us that. Now, folks, when we talk about Christmas, we're talking about a gift. Uh, and I know we talk about Christmas being too much about gifts, but this is the gift that Christmas is all about. That gift of God coming into the world in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, at this time of year, we celebrate that entrance, you know, at the manger and the stable. And we got cute little angels and shepherds and a camel that we put around that little scene. But, folks, the manger is just a doorway. It was a doorway for Christ to the cross where he would make a full and satisfying payment for your sin and for my sin so that we could be a child of God, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life. Well, as, as Mary comes to understand this gift, as she comes to understand the revelation of, of God coming into the world in the Messiah, man, she just, she just breaks out in song in what we're going to look at today. Man, do you ever break out in song? I hope so. I hope, I hope your life's in a place where you just find yourself singing. I'm not saying, oh, it's time to sing. I'm saying you just find yourself singing. Well, what do you break out into song when you break out? Maybe a little Karen, uh, Karen Carpenter. I'm on the top of the world looking down on creation and the only explanation. It, it, some, some are clapping, some look scared. A little bit nervous right now. Yeah, I, I'm guessing maybe not always Karen Carpenter's what we break out into. I'm sure Mary didn't break out into Karen Carpenter. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact what Mary broke out into. We have her song. It's written down for us in Luke chapter 1. Would you turn there now? Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs around you. If you can't reach it, I know if you point to it, somebody will hand you one. Luke chapter 1. In verse 46, the song is written down in verse 46 to 55, and it's called the Magnificat. As a matter of fact, some of you uh, may actually have that as a title in your Bible above this passage. It's a Latin word that simply means to magnify. This song is Mary magnifying her master. Let's see what she sang. Verse 46, and Mary said... My soul, and by the way, I'm just going to read the first chorus, uh, uh, the first verse of this song through verse 49. And Mary said, my soul 
proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior because He has looked with favor on the humble condition of His slave. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the Mighty One has done great things for me and His name is holy. Mary praises her Savior. Mary praises her God for the work, the blessing that He has done in her life. And as we learned last week, and we're going to see in this song, Mary does not believe this has happened as a testimony, as a statement to her worthiness. She didn't receive this because of what she had done or how good she was, but rather she believes that what God has done is a testimony to His kindness. His grace, His greatness. And she breaks out in song in praise to Him. And and folks, there's two key phrases here. You see, beginning of the first line, it says, my soul. Beginning of the second line, my spirit. This is talking about where this song is coming from. Mary is saying, this song comes from my core. It comes down deep. In other words, what Mary is saying is, I'm not singing out of expectation. This song is not an obligation. She didn't just stop and say, oh, I should probably sing here. Man, this song is like lava bubbling up from down below. When it hits the surface, it's coming out. This is what she's saying here. And folks, I want to tell you something. As I have spent time with this, there's a, there's a lot we can study in this song. What she's saying about God, how she praises Him. But for me, man, there is a lot of meaning. There's a lot of depth in just those two phrases. My soul, my spirit. As she tells us where this praise comes from. There's a lot for us to learn in that. Now, I want to make a statement here. And, you know, it might bother some. It might offend some. You'll live. You'll get over it. But listen to this, folks. If you don't find the song bubbling out, and not just any song, songs of praise to the Lord, if you don't find yourself desiring to sing, if you don't find yourself looking forward Monday about 8 a.m. to being back in church on Sunday to sing with God's people. You know, we come here this morning, we're all kinds of things. I, you know, I want to be encouraged. I want to see friends. I want to learn something. I want to sing. Let me tell you something. If you woke up and came here this morning for no other reason, it should be to gather with God's people and to sing His praises. And if you find that in your life, there's not much of a desire to do that. If you find that you can stand here. There's a problem. If the song's not coming out, it is actually biblical evidence that the Holy Spirit is not in control in your life. That's a a real big issue, folks. Now, I'm not saying, I don't want you to misunderstand what I just said. I'm not saying you need to go home and squeeze until the song comes out. I'm not saying you need to go home and work on a song. That's not at all what this is about. This is about what comes naturally. And, you know, I say that some of us in here would say, well, well, I'm not a singer. I'm assuming none of y'all would say that. Okay, so probably nobody back here would say, I'm not a singer. But some of us out here, we would. We we would say, well, I'm not a singer. That's okay. You're not being commanded to be a singer. 
you're being commanded to sing. And, and some of us was like, you know what, that's, uh, that's just not my, that's not my personality. That's okay. We're not talking about your personality. We're not talking about what your life produces when your personality's in control. We're talking about what the Holy Spirit's personality produces when He's in control of your life. Now, folks, I know there's probably some in here thinking, is it, is, do you think this, song is, this sermon's going to be about singing? Is that, is that what this is? Because that kind of seems like, you know, pretty far down on the priority list. Folks, you know what? We're actually looking at a huge issue right here. As a matter of fact, let me show you what I mean. And, and keep, your, keep your place there in Luke 146. Uh, flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Go through the Gospels, Acts, Romans. Uh, there's a couple of Corinthians. Run through them. You'll get to Galatians and then Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 18 and following. We've studied this passage before in our church. Uh, it's been a while. Over a year we went through the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 5.18. It says there, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, or your passage may say debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a very clear, very direct command here that we are not to get drunk. That is a sin. And, and there's a multitude of other passages, both Old and New Testament, that would say the exact same thing. Having said that, would you believe this passage is not about drinking? That, that's not what's going on right here. This passage is about being filled with the Spirit, which is going to lead the average reader to say, what in the world is that? What, what does that mean? And so Paul uses an illustration. I, gosh, I hope he didn't pick this because he thought we'd all understand it. But he uses an illustration. What's it mean to be filled? Well, you know what drunkenness is. Now, both the word drunkenness and the word filling have a common synonym. If you study both of these words in the Greek language, they both have a word that is common to both of them. And so this passage could be read like this. Do not be under the influence. Hey, we use that in the English language, don't we? Don't be under the influence of alcohol, but instead be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What's it mean to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, it's a little bit like being under the influence of alcohol. When you're under the influence of alcohol, it's guiding how you speak, isn't it? It's guiding how you walk. It guides the way you think and decide. It guides the decisions that you make. Guess what? Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit produces the exact same thing. So the command on us here is we're to live alive clearly under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, one day you're going to stand before God. And when you do that, you're going to be accountable for showing him a life that was lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, that should concern some of us. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to answer for this. So kind of two questions come to mind, right? First question is, how do I know? How, how do I know if I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Was I under the influence of the Holy Spirit yesterday? Well, you know what? The Scripture's given us two very clear signs of what it looks like. Look at verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music to the Lord in your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of the fear of Christ. Folks, when the Holy Spirit is in control of your life, two things are going to be evident. Praise and humility. 
If I can look back at Saturday and I don't see praise coming forth, whether it's alone or with a group of people, if I can look back over Saturday and I don't see humility, I don't have to wonder. That was a day not lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because when He's in control, this is what is coming out. I look back, same thing. I look back over this last week. Do, do, I, do, I, do I see a thread of praise running throughout the week? Do I see humility? Folks, when the Holy Spirit's in control, the song is coming out. And I like here in verse 19, it actually kind of breaks it up. It says, speaking to one another. Okay, we're singing together, right? We're coming together and singing. And then look at the next line. Singing and making music to the Lord where? In my heart. There is a singing that we all do together. And then there's a singing that we do alone. And when the Holy Spirit's in control, that's what's going to happen. Along with the humility. This, this passage describes it as a submission to one another. Now there you absolutely know the Holy Spirit's in control. Because when we're in control, every relationship we look at is what does it do for us. And that's not a judgmental statement. You may be a kind, a, a, a giving, a very sacrificial person in your relationships. But folks, our nature is to look at every single relationship and evaluate what's it doing for me. Is this relationship meeting my needs? Is this relationship serving me? Does this relationship make me happy? We're constantly looking at relationships for what they do for us. That's what our natural man's going to do. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, all we're seeing in relationships is the need and how I can serve that need. Regardless of what comes back to me. So what do we see? We see praise and we see humility. Look back at Luke 146. Flip back there to chapter 1. Look at verse 46 and 47. What do you see? Praise. Look at verse 48. What do you see? Humility. Folks, Mary is showing us a life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, our question is, what am I supposed to do with Christmas? How am I supposed to interact or react with Christmas? For Mary, it was to pursue and to live out the Spirit-filled life. It's clear that she's under the influence of the Holy Spirit because praise and humility are there. So the first question was, how do I know the Holy Spirit's in control of my life? The second question, how do I get him in control of my life? Uh, how, 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 do I, how do I yield over that influence? And folks, I want to kind of show you just a, a real quick, easy three-step process to giving the Holy Spirit control. Now, the Holy Spirit is not going to fight you. Honestly, folks, I look at my life sometimes and I wish he would. I wish he'd knock me down, drag me off, kidnap me and tie me up. My life would be a lot better sometimes if it did. But he doesn't. Now, he'll, he'll convict you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll whisper, no, no, no. And he has spoken that word in every life in this room. And you know what every one of us have done it from time to time? Kept right on going. And there is a point where the Holy Spirit will say, all right, you're in control. So in that moment, the Holy Spirit's no longer in control of my life. And that's always true of sin. When I'm sinning, I'm in control. And so I've got control. Now, let's say for a moment that that, that sin is just a, a bad thought or, or a, a word I shouldn't have said, a statement I shouldn't have made to somebody. The, the, the sin only lasted for two or three seconds. And, and then I go on about my day. But guess what? I'm still in control. The Holy Spirit's not fighting for that spot. Once I've seized it, he lets us have it. 
So I've got to be about a continual activity of giving him control. So I think at least daily, every morning we're going to wake up. A little step here, process. Number one, I'm going to confess sin. Hey God, what's between you and me? What have I said or done this morning? You know, if you're getting up at five, hopefully you haven't done that much yet. <laughs> or, or maybe I'm looking back over Saturday. Hey God, you know, let's think about how I lived yesterday. Anything between you and me? And I confess. I confess that as sin. I repent. I receive. I trust in God's forgiveness. And then the second step is to yield control to Him. Now, really, at that point right there, the Holy Spirit's back under control. I added a third step. Get in God's Word. Because when I look at Mary's life in, these, in this Christmas story, when I see her praising, what was it in response to? It was in response to God's revelation. It was in response to God's truth. So the more I immerse myself in this, the more likely the song comes out. The more I immerse myself in this, the more sensitive I'm going to be to the Holy Spirit's voice. The more I immerse myself in this, the more sensitive I'm going to be to sin. So the more likely I'm going to stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So I confess sin, I yield control to the Holy Spirit, and I stay immersed in God's Word. Folks, honestly, I wouldn't leave the house without doing that little three-step process. Whether it takes you three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, you shouldn't leave the home in the morning until you do that. Now, as you're going throughout your day, some of us might sin. Okay? So I look down and it's 2.18 and I realize, ooh, at 2.17 I sinned. Now, I'm not going to wait till tomorrow morning to confess that because right now I'm in control and I don't want to be in control because one day I'm going to stand before God and show him a life under the Holy Spirit's control. So I can't wait till tomorrow morning. I can't live from 218 till I go to bed under my control. So I need to stop right there and say, oh, man, what I just did a minute ago, that was sin. God, I confess that is sin. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry I grieved you. I'm sorry I ignored you. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive that forgiveness and I yield control back. Now, you know, you may be driving, you may be busy, you may be with people, you may not be able to stop and read the Bible in that moment, but you know what maybe you can do? Maybe you can rehearse some scripture memory. Just kind of have that word of God just washing over your heart, your soul, and your mind, cleansing. And you say, well, I, I, I don't memorize verses. Well, start! <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not very good at memorizing. Yeah, you are. You can remember anything you want to remember. It's the absolute truth. And folks, when I say memorize scripture, I'm not saying, you know, y'all should go home today and, and uh, we'll memorize the Old Testament. We'll test next week. You know, what, what if you've memorized one verse a month? Not a day, not a week. What if you memorized one verse, a sentence a month? Picked out a verse that, that was an encouragement to you, that gave hope to you. A, a verse maybe in an area of temptation or struggle that you have. But you memorized one verse a month. What if you had made a commitment five years ago that you were going to memorize one verse a month? And, you know, in there you'd want to review, you'd want to rehearse the other verses as the months start adding up. Do you realize that today you'd have a stable over here with 60 verses ready to call on whenever you needed them? Whenever you needed kind of that, that revelation of God just to kind of wash and cleanse and renew that heart and soul and mind, you'd have 60 over there. Folks, the issue is not if you can memorize. The issue is when will you start? 
That's the only issue. And do you realize if you don't have that in operation, you do realize the world's revelation is washing over you every single day, all day long. Every time you turn on the TV, the radio, you read the paper, you're a part of a conversation, you overhear a conversation at work, at school, the world's revelation is constantly washing over you. And the result of that is fear and depression and anxiety and aggression A sense of meaninglessness. That's the world's revelation. That's what it produces. That's not what God has for you. God has for you joy. He has for you a sense of hope, a a sense of meaning. And guess what? It's all grounded in God's revelation. I've got to put myself in a place where that is rolling over my life. And folks, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the song is going to come. When you're immersed in God's word, in God's revelation, you know why the song doesn't come for a lot for us? Because we're immersed in what the world's told us all week long. I got to immerse myself in this and the song will come. Folks, this isn't about being a soloist or, or being in the choir. Although I, I, got, I do got to say something about being in the choir. Is that okay? Can I say something? Um, it's awful being in the choir. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I wanted to say. Uh, Thursday, uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day, uh, the next day, that Friday, uh, I was uh, running some errands. And it was in the morning, and I wanted to listen to some Christmas music, so I turned to 98.1. That's the all Christmas all the time, right? And, and so I, I turned there, and, and right when I turned there, I think it was Bill Bevins, uh, he said this. Now, I don't know why he said it, because I wasn't listening to it before that. I mean, right when I picked it up, this is the statement that he made, Dale. He, he, he said, research shows, did he get this from you? You've never done any research. You can't even read. Uh, so he, he says, he says that, he, he said, this is exactly when I turned exactly how it started. Research shows that if you're in a choir, that you live longer, it, <laughs> that, you, that you live longer, you have less bouts with depression. And this is the third one I couldn't get. And you fall down less. There you have now, how do you research that? You know, I don't understand. the. Re- that's just what it says. And you do live long. Folks, you don't realize this. The average age of our choir is 117. <laughs> I'm telling you, this works. 117 years old. You need to find that research and use it or something. Because I'm not telling you again. So, <laughs> folks, honestly, it, it's, it's not about that. But let me repeat what I've already said. If the song's not coming out, that's a sign there's a problem. If you don't find yourself wanting to be with God's people, just to sing. If nothing else, just to sing. You got a problem. I love that song we we sang this morning. I said, Dale, I know it's time for Christmas, but could you shove this one in here? And uh, of course, I, you know, I pay him. So he said, yes. Um, That song, sing, sing, sing. I love that song. Sing, sing, sing. Let's make music with the heavens and we'll sing, sing, sing. Folks, if you got a problem with singing, your problem ain't with singing. Your problem's with heaven. You realize every time you open God's word and you get a glimpse inside of heaven... They're always singing. You realize the closest you get to heaven on this planet 
is when you're singing God's praises with God's people. As Mary interacts with Christmas, the song comes out. You know, it's interesting that we, we applaud this lady, that we lift up this, I call her lady, a little girl. We lift her up because her life is really, it's a life we resist. It's, it's a life we push away from. Mary says, I'm a slave. We say, I'm not a slave to anybody. We go step further. I don't even have to listen to anybody. Nobody can tell me what to do. Mary says, my agenda, only his agenda. I have no agenda but his agenda. We say, well, now... No, God, I thought your job was to bless my agenda. <laughs> your, your job was to come and serve my agenda. Mary Life says, man, life's all about the song. I, I'm not much of a singer. Folks, do you realize that the way Mary is living, what she's showing us, and I'm, I'm going to make a cheesy statement here, okay? A little cheese warning. The way Mary is living is what makes it Christmas every day. Mary lives in a sense of awe and wonder. You remember when we were like that? I mean, when you think of Christmas, the awe and wonder of Christmas, you think of that, what, age three to about age seven? When we were there, or as parents, when our kids were there, or our grandkids, you know, I mean, you guys, just the awe and wonder of it all. I mean, there, there's gifts everywhere, and cookies everywhere, and there's, there's lights, and we're, we're going to see family, and we're going to see friends, and I mean, it's magic, at that age. But we lose the magic. And you don't have to get old and beat up by life to lose. You start losing the magic at 9, at 10. Do you know why you lose the magic? Because you start to expect. It's no, wonder, it's no longer a gift. It's an expectation. As a matter of fact, I grew up, my parents used to ask me this, and I've asked my kids this, I think probably every Christmas, and I'm not going to ask them this Christmas. You know what the question is? Did you have a good Christmas? Folks, do you realize the question, the very nature of the question implies that you had an expectation. And what makes it good is whether the expectation was met or not. Did, did you like your gifts? As if you were owed or deserve a single one of them. Thank you. Got an amen over there. Now, folks, what, watch. Now, watch. Okay, I'm, I'm going to cross the bridge here. Talking about Christmas and the expectation, what we're owed. When I look at Mary's life and she considers this gift that God has given her, she never for a single moment thought she was worthy of this. She didn't think she deserved this. She didn't think she owed this. As a matter of fact, what does she say? I can't believe the greatness of God, the highness of God, the holiness of God, that He would come all the way down to the condition of His humble slave and do this. It's not just that she didn't expect it. She said, God, I'm not worthy of you stooping that far and doing such a great thing in my life. What a refreshing thing to see somebody praise God because they didn't expect a blessing. Folks, think of the questions of mankind. By the way, I don't fault the questions. The questions are good questions. There are questions that we want to answer and questions that Scripture has answers for. But think of the questions of mankind. Why does God allow suffering? Well, if he's so good and all-powerful, why does he allow evil? Or we bring it down to a place in our life. Why did God allow that to happen? Why didn't God do this? Folks, do you realize that the basis of every one of those questions is, I'm deserving and he missed it. He owes me this. And he didn't show up. 
So they're not questions, they're accusations. Whereas how often do you hear mankind saying, why would God bless me like that? Why would God give me that? You say, well, yeah, but but Brandy, you're talking about Mary. I wasn't given what Mary was given. Yeah, you were. Do you know because of God's kindness and goodness, you've been given a chance to be a child of God? John chapter 1. Because of God's kindness and goodness, you've been made a co-heir with Christ. Romans chapter 8. Because of God's kindness and goodness, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You are a royal representative of heaven. Because of God's kindness, nothing I've done, zero. As a matter of fact, my life is a deficit to this opportunity. Because of His kindness, I have title, I have position, I have a life that counts, I have the wealth of heaven coming, I have a future that is unimaginable. Do I really look at all those gifts and say, well, darn straight, I deserve that. Can you stand before God and say, yeah, I deserve that, I'm owed that. Or maybe you look at that and say, well, that's a good start, but you didn't do this. See, Mary can't believe God stooped. Whereas I fear with our often too lofty view of ourselves and too low view of God, we not only don't acknowledge the distance that God stoops to touch and bless us, we expect Him to stoop. We expect His greatness to come do this. You know, as I look at So I look at Mary's life and I think about Christmas and what she was doing and how she was responding and living with that. And I think about these next, what is it, 20 days? I look at Mary's life and I'm challenged. You know what? I'm not sure I can work hard enough at thinking highly of God. Going into His Word, meditating, just thinking about it, staying with praises, getting with God's people to sing. I don't think I can work hard enough at how greatly I can think about God. Praise. That's what the Holy Spirit produces. I also don't think I can work hard enough at thinking low of myself. Humility. That's what the Holy Spirit produces. And folks, when I say humility, we really confuse that. Let me tell you something. Humility is not going, oh, shucks, I'm no good. Oh, I didn't do that. I can't do anything. That's not humility. That's pathetic pandering. It's actually no different than the braggart and the arrogant. It's just two different ways to get to the same place. Everybody looking at me. That's not humility. Man, let me tell you something. God created you. He loves you. He thinks you're cool. You're his artwork. He doesn't want you walking around going, man, God made you special. Humility is not thinking bad about yourself. Humility is just not thinking about yourself. You see, my mind gets so consumed with how wonderful and great God is, and then when the Holy Spirit's really in control, my mind gets consumed with how I can bless and serve the relationships and people around me. Man, all of a sudden I'm going to bed. Shoot, I didn't have one opportunity today to think about myself. You know what, folks? When the song doesn't come out, it's a good sign that you're stuck on you. That might make a good song. I'm not going to sing this time. 
but stuck on you, you do get stuck. You get stuck with my expectations, my hurts, my disappointments. Yeah, those are real. You've got that. And what's it going to produce staying stuck on it? There's no song. You're stuck. Stuck on God. All of a sudden you begin to see his love and his blessing. And actually you feel even more and more loved and blessed. Because you can't believe how great and awesome he is. He'd come down and want to be next to you. Touch you and give to you. You want to have a Merry Christmas? However you spell it. M-A-R-Y. M-E-R-R-Y. You need to pursue the spirit filled life. And folks when the spirit's under control. And the song comes out. You know what? You won't be down the week after Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just sitting here thinking, I, I guess I became a follower of you 28 years ago. And I'm, I'm just wondering if I could see a chart. If, if all that time could be added up. What was the amount of time in that 28 years lived under your influence? Influence of the Holy Spirit. And what was the amount of time lived under my influence? And God, I just can't help but think that's, that's not a chart I want to see. And I'm sorry for that, Lord. I don't, I don't want to fight you on this. There's absolutely nothing I can point to in my life that would say, look how, look how much better I do when I'm in control. Holy Spirit, help me. Push me into your word this week. Let me get immersed in that. Holy Spirit, would you just fill me? Make me sensitive to sin. Let me hear your voice. God, I don't want to live, I don't want to live any minutes this week. Not a single minute under my influence. I want it all under your influence. And Lord, I pray when I get to next Saturday, next Sunday, I can look back over this week and I just see a, I see a thread of praise. All of a sudden, I see a focus on others and how I can love and, and bless and serve. Father, I pray when I wake up next Sunday morning, I can't wait to get here. Just to stand in the company of your people and sing. Would you produce that in me? It's in Jesus' name that I ask this. Amen.